film room. Oh God. Well, well, <laughs> well, welcome to the film room, and <sighs> guys, there's a reason that uh, there, there's a reason that people are sometimes hesitant to keep promises to friends. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, we we uh, this is like what three four months back that we promised we'd do this. Yeah, well, it's and I've been promising this guy I was going to watch the movie since it came out in 2005 or 2010. I'm sorry, it came out in 2010. I wondered when it came out. Yeah, well, we're going to be addressing that at some point. Um, wow, we're, this is going to be a hard one to even figure out where to start with. Um, but yeah, well, film room, Austin, he's out, and we uh, we covered the 2010 movie Standing Ovation uh, this week. This is the one that we're looking at. It's a movie you've probably never heard of, and when we're done, you're going to know all about it, and you're going to wonder why you haven't heard of it. And trust me, it's not because it's a great undiscovered gem. The opposite. Here is a movie that probably should be seen with the worst movies of the last decade. Not probably. This is a movie that 100% should be seen with the worst movies of the last decade. Here is quite possibly the worst theatrically released film of this entire time period. Yeah, see, we're having to, to make that clarification. This is an actual theatrically released film. It feels like a direct-to-Netflix release. Dude, don't impugn the name of Netflix. I know. I know. But it feels like one that they just that they just didn't know what to do with, so they dropped on Netflix. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that has production values worse than a talking cat, if we're honest. Yeah, I'm serious. I really do think it has worse production values than a talking cat. Because at least a talking yeah. cat was interestingly bad to look at. And I'm just going to give everybody a level of how bad this movie is. This movie is worse than a talking cat, in my opinion. I think so, yeah. One thing that I wanted to start with, and one thing that bugged me throughout the entire thing, this film cannot decide whether it wants to be an actual musical or not. No, no, and, and, I, and I have so many thoughts on that that I want to get to. Um, but let's begin with an, a quick explanation as to how in the hell we heard about this movie in the first place. Because this is a movie that came out on 600 screens, played for about a week, and was gone. Played mostly independent theaters, I think. Um, it was heavily hyped by Simon Malls, and uh, it's something that probably I never would have even thought about, if not for one key fact. My good friend Ryan Cullen, who we've mentioned on the show before, kept telling me throughout the years that this was one that I had to get to. He has been asking me ever since the movie came out, when would I watch it? And I didn't really have an excuse to watch it before. I could kick it down the road uh, beforehand. But then, of course, you know, you get your podcast and you need movies. And it's like, well, when are you going to do it? Well, we did have a long schedule. When are you going to do it? Well, you know, we, we don't really have time right now. And then, of course, we go <laughs> weekly. So we have an o- So suddenly we have an open space. Ryan's been a good friend to me for a good many years. I've known him since about 2007. He is a good friend, and he's a good guy, and I, I think the world of him. So, man, I want you to know, this is what we did for you. You were not wrong, is all that I'm going to say. We sacrificed so much. He is not wrong. This movie is every bit as bad as he promised. As I said, this movie came out, it grossed under $600,000 and was promptly forgotten. It was distributed by a small distributor, Rocky Mountain Pictures, which tends to distribute family-friendly movies and conservative-themed films. 
Um, we do not hold that. We do not hold that against them. Um, there have been a number of films with uh, conservative messages that we are perfectly fine with, and there are a number of conservative commentators that I respect. That said, most of their movies do tend to be very poorly reviewed. Let's talk briefly about the director of this movie before we get into it, because we have to address that. Did you catch who wrote and directed it? No. I did, because this guy is someone who does not get talked about enough in bad movie circles. Uh, Stuart Rayfield is a guy whose name we should really be paying much more attention to, is what it comes down to. Here is a guy whose resume is epically bad. I'm going to pull it up for a second and just read you some of the movies this guy has been associated with. And you will understand why we why this movie should have gotten much more attention. See, I've always been of the opinion that Uwe Boll kind of got it a little too easy. Or he gets it a little too hard, really. He only gets such attention because he's so aggressive to his critics. Yeah, he is. But I honestly think, I mean, his movies are bad, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't try. He's open about the fact that he's just in them for the money. I, I don't really and truly have much begrudging for Bolt. Also, he's an interesting guy in interviews. Uh, if you ever listen to him in interviews, he is a smart and very charismatic guy. He makes horrible films, there's no denying that, but he also makes, but he also has some, his recent stuff has actually even gotten fairly decent reviews. I have a number of friends who've actually liked some of his stuff quite a bit. Um, no, it's guys like Rayfield that we really need to be paying more attention to. Here are some of his credits. He's been working since uh, the 1970s. Here are some of his credits. Mac and Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we all know Mac and Me, don't we? Uh, the uh, legendary, uh, the film that's best known now as the clip that Paul Rudd uses whenever he's on talk shows. Let's look at this clip from This Is 40. Smigel looks awful. Yeah, I was going to say. The Ice Pirates, uh, one of the big Star Wars ripoffs. Mannequin 2, On the Move. (laughs) Tammy and the T-Rex, the movie in which Paul Walker's brain is put into a robot T-Rex so that he can be with Denise Richards. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Uh, In recent years, he's made movies such as Sirens of the Caribbean. That sounds like a poor name if I ever heard one. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, I can find next to nothing on it, but the original name was even worse. It was Bad Girl Island. Yeah, I see that on there now. Yeah. That was 2007. Yeah. He also made a movie called Croc that year. I also noticed that he hasn't made anything since Standing Ovation. No, he has not. He has movies that are currently in development, but he hasn't. Rayfield's a guy whose name we should be knowing. We, We should know his name much more, because he is... A true B-movie auteur, and his movies, when he when they do come out, they are the worst. The worst! She's the worst in the world. Yeah, that's about how, that's, that's, that's how I feel about that, although this doesn't deserve that awesomeness. You know, the Ice Pirates has its fandom, but really, aside from that, Mac and Me sure as hell doesn't. Mac and Me is shit. No, it's only, it's only remembered for uh, two things. One being a complete ripoff of E.T. Mm-hmm. And two, it's shameless, shameless, shameless McDonald's tie-in. Exactly. And and I'm glad you pointed out the ripoff thing. That's what he does. He's a ripoff guy. 
almost all of his movies, if you look at them, are in some way ripoffs of some trend. And that's what this movie is. This movie is transparently wanting to be a high school musical type film. Yeah, high school musical slash step up Mm -hmm. slash whatever. So before we get into this film, let me make a couple of points about high school musical that need be made. Number one, I would sooner believe High School Musical, a TV movie, went to theaters before I would believe this movie went to theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has some measure of production values. Uh, director Kenny Ortega does know at least how to frame a shot. It has some images that were impressive enough to become iconic. It also had a talented cast. While maybe I haven't exactly been blown away by their work, uh, Vanessa Hudgens and uh, Zac Efron have kept working continuously since the franchise, and uh, Hudgens has earned a a lot of praise for her indie work, actually. And heck, the third movie actually did come out in theaters. Yeah, the third movie came out in theaters and got, it was, well, decently received. The The first movie also does, because I haven't seen any of the movies beyond the first movie, but the first movie also does feel like it's a real movie. Like, it fe- like they're, okay, it's stupid as all hell, it's cartoonish as all hell, but it feels like it exists. Like, I, I don't look at this movie and go... Huh? What is? I, I believe this movie exists. I, I've got no, I've got no, I've got no carts with it. I haven't seen any of the movies, but vicariously, I have heard some of the songs, you know, just through cultural osmosis. And I mean, it feels like music that's in a real musical. I yeah, mean, I mean, the the songs feel they feel real. They're not bad. They're they're poppy. They're poppy. They feel distinct. They feel individual. Cynicism aside, I don't really have any gripes with High School Musical. It's it's cute, it's harmless for kids, and I understand why it succeeded, and I understand why it took off. Say what you want about Disney, they know their stuff. They do know their stuff. So, let's see, we've spent a good 12 minutes talk, trying to get around having to address the actual content of this film. Okay, the reason that I, I, I bring up High School Musical is because I want to make a point that there is a certain formula to these movies. The Step Up movies have their fans because they have a formula that they seem to know what they're doing with. They may not be very good, but they, they at least have a formula. They know what they're doing. They typically find talented dancers, and hell, the first movie even launched a legitimate star. I mean, we can never forget that. Uh, the first movie did launch Channing Tatum. True. Um, who and act, actually, this is kind of a cool bit of trivia. You know uh, the actress that played his love interest in that? Okay, yeah. Yeah, her last name is uh, now hyphenated to include his. Yeah, that's his wife. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's kind of a cool little story there. Um, that said, I'm not going to go too hard hyping uh, the Step Up movies. If you want to see a Channing Tatum dance movie, how many times do I have to Magic say? Magic Mike. Watch Magic Mike, and sure as hell watch the sequel. Watch those and really appreciate some good dancing. Those are good. I I, I dig those movies. Uh, no, they don't. They don't use uh, body double stunt dancers in that. He's doing mm-hmm. all his own work. Yeah, yeah that dude can move. I, I'm. He's genuinely impressive. Uh, it's it's. But yeah. But okay. You see, there I go. I'm talking about things that I like. This is my. St- it's avoidance. It's a standard avoidance tactic. Let's let's get to it. Let's we've let's not waste any time. This movie is as I said. This movie came out in 2010. It was intended to be a, an obvious phenomenon by the people that were making it. They obviously thought they were going to have a huge hit. Go to their YouTube channel sometime. They have clips from the movie, and all the clips are named as such. Nuts and Soup from the film Standing Ovation is the title of the video. It's like, no, you're not... No. no, 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 and and you don't want to, and you don't want to watch it. Uh, the ring video will, will be less detrimental to your health. Yeah, 
Here's how much confidence they had. They released a two-disc soundtrack. Oh, my God. One disc with the bad girls, one disc with the good. Listen, all the songs sound the same. if I can remember what any of them sound like. No. Like, no. No. Yeah, this is a movie that they thought that the people making it thought was going to be a hit. And whenever you have such overconfidence in something that flops, it always winds up looking a bit embarrassing. It's embarrassing when it happens on a major scale. I would advise everybody to go back and look at the hype for uh, Dick Tracy, uh, which... Did okay, but didn't do all that great. And honestly, that's not a very good movie. Uh, if you if you haven't seen it lately, it doesn't hold up very well. I see. It's okay. Like it looks like it's trying really hard. Yeah, it's 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 okay. Um, it's a little underwhelming. It's a little underwhelming. It's a terrible plot, but God, it's it's an epic plot next to this one. Because I want to make a point. This movie is theoretically following the most generic, easy pl- easy formula in the world. Uh, to quote Celebrity Jeopardy, you would have to be the dumbest people in the world to uh, mess this up. Let's see how you mess this up. Because that's exactly what happens with this movie. Borrowing from The Sound of Music, let's start at the beginning, because the movie opens with the least amount of setup humanly possible. It just opens with, oh yeah, they're, um, girls, yeah, girls are dancing on stage, and there's like a guy off stage that... Uh, throws a switch and basically sabotages their performance. And I will, I must stress, uh, before we get into any of this, these are middle school kids. These are like 12-year-olds. And almost, almost every adult in this film is horrible. The best adult in the movie is a gambling addict. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, sounds like a sick detail that I would make up if I were just in a really cynical mood to while making a kid's film. It's true, though. No, it's totally true. It is totally true. Yeah, and that immediately just sets off. It's like, okay, nobody's looking into this. Yeah, because Nobody. he does it as subtly as a burglar in a uh, kid's uh, commercial. He might as well have been twirling a mustache and wearing a, t- and wearing a top. Uh, yeah. He might as well be wearing a top hat because he's he's because he's uh, obviously gesturing to his uh, daughters in the audience, but uh, nobody sees him. It's like you should be completely obvious. Also, he looks like Jiminy Glick. I I kept thinking of him as infinitely worse Alfred Molina because <laughs> that's who he reminded me of. I can see that. <laughs> S- suffice it to say, um, the. Uh, incredibly talented Molina was nowhere near this movie. And of course, that just makes me think of how many movies he's been in that I would rather have been watching instead of this one. Hell, I would have been rather watch I would have rather watched White Fang 2 than this. Like, I mean, the sabotage isn't even subtle, and it's silly, it's petty. Yeah, and okay, there are two things the bad girls do, the quote-unquote bad girls do during this performance. One is 
Uh, while they're using the dressing room, one of the girls puts chewing gum on the back of a chair, which rips our pro- one of our protagonist's dresses. Chewing gum. The laws of physics do not work that way. No. For two, uh, they pay a guy to, they pay like the stagehand to put pepper in all their microphones so they'll all sneeze on stage. Sneezing does not work that way. No, it doesn't. And also, again, all the adults in this film are horrible. Like, everybody in the audience is just laughing at them. It's like, oh, somebody obviously sabotaged their performance. It's so funny, let's laugh at them, they're losers. And it, that audience is all adults, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no kids in this audience, which would have actually made sense. Right. It's like, you're all fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. By the way, something we should stress about every live performance, every live performance is obvious lip-syncing. Oh, yeah. Very obvious. To the point where I would wager that uh, at least a few of these girls didn't actually sing on the soundtrack. No, I don't. I I wouldn't be surprised by that. And that's also a thing that separates this from uh, other music-based films is that usually when they do this, they get people who can sing. I can think of one exception. Yeah? Zac Efron was dubbed for a high school musical. Really? Yeah. For all of them? or I believe for all of them, yeah. Ah, I, I think they tried to sweep it. I, I think when they were caught on the first one, they tried to claim he wasn't on the next two but it's widely thought that yeah he probably had i mean you'll notice that he never made very much of a he never made very much of a run at uh, musical work after that right yeah it was all acting mm-hmm. which hudgens actually has she's actually done some stage work uh and she was in wasn't she in wasn't she one of the people in dream girls i uh, no, she was not now no actually dream girls was before uh high school musical or i think they were at the same time I think Dreamgirls was the same time as High School Musical. At or near. That long ago. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Okay, I know what I'm thinking of. Uh, Dreamgirls had one of the American Idol winners. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, who went on to win the Oscar for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Deservedly so. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it, but... Oh, I I have. It's 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 pretty wonderful, actually. That's, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Um, see, see, here we are. We, we just... We, <laughs> we don't want to talk about this movie. No, we must. We must, though. <laughs> we must. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, usually, at least most of the cast has some sort of pedigree in, you know, singing. Because it's a musical. And, again, this can't decide whether it's... Okay, let me tell you how they fit the music in. Basically, they find an excuse... Most of the times, they find an excuse to have a musical number. Like, most musicals, they don't need to. They're a musical. That's all the reason you need to break into song. This one tries to find ways to wedge it in, in the most ridiculous ways possible. And most of that is, we need to make a video. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many damn videos they make in this film. I lost count. Um, and, because most of them... Let's be clear. At least 25% of this movie is music videos. And that's probably me being yeah. too low. That's just about right. And there's only one sequence in the entire song, and that, again, is the nuts to soup thing, where they just flat out break into song without any excuse. And even then, like, it doesn't fit the rest of the movie. No. No, it does not. 
Um, At all. And it's the most unbearable song on earth. Soup to nuts, mind your peas and cues. Sit up straight or you get no food. Eat your bread like the upper crust do. With a knife and a fork, no crumbs on you. God, yeah. That's the only clip from the movie I tweeted out last night. And one of my one of my followers tweeted back at me, What the hell is that drum machine doing there? Yeah. There's a serious... There are seriously some issues with it. Yeah, again, we cannot stress this enough. The music in this movie... When I say Miami Connection had better music, that's unfair. It is unfair. Because Miami Connection actually had two songs that were legitimately pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I say that I, I think that Friends is a really good 80s song, I'm not being ironic. I genuinely listen to it when I... I genuinely listen to it when I'm writing often, because uh, it's a good, high-energy, fun song. I, I don't... There's nothing ironic about my liking of it. It's a good 80s song. This yeah. isn't that good. You know, and that's the only real, quote-unquote, distinct song in the film, because it's so separate from everything else. Everything else sounds the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't distinguish... And the thing about it is, you want to say it's all bad pop music, but here's... And it's all pop music, and well, but here's the thing. I listen to pop music. A lot of it isn't actually as bad as I think some people talk about it as. I mean, there are obvious exceptions of, well, that's better than the norm. Um, we are recording this the weekend that Adele has her new album out, which I've heard is phenomenal. We, you know, and but there, I mean, there's good stuff if you look at it. I mean... Even the uh, originally mocked Carly Rae Jepsen, I've heard her uh, follow-up album was apparently pretty dynamite from what I've heard from my friends. This is bad pop music in the sense that it is, you can't distinguish any of the songs. They all are at this really high energy level. And they're all, they're all just very energized and very up and very, you know, Everything's going to be good. Let's have fun. Um, it's kids' bop crap. Let's call it what it is. It's kids' bop level. I wouldn't hesitate to say it's worse than kids' it's, bop. It's worse than kids' bop because at least then they're usually working with the uh, foundations of uh, something decent. I mean, if no matter how badly you try to mangle a Taylor Swift song, at the end of the day, you're still usually working from a Taylor Swift song, so you can only go so bad. Right. You can only go so low. Uh, addendum both versions of 1989 the taylor swift and the ryan adams are actually really good um i actually highly recommend both yeah i've only heard i've only heard the billboard charted songs from uh taylor's version and yeah and they're good they're, yeah it's they're kind, good it's kind of hard to screw these up i mean okay aside from shake it off that is that is absolutely <laughs> That is an atrocity, isn't it? That, that is that is just astonishingly bad. Yeah, I like the Ryan Adams yeah. version though. Um, but again, the music here—it's—it's it's un its just—it's there. It's—it's it's all synthed up. It's all uh, da da. Everything is good. Everything. We're we're partying. We're awesome. We've got attitude. Oh, if you listen to if you stop and listen to the lyrics too. Um, the thing you're making up off the top of your head is actually better than one. the one that come immediately comes to mind is the one that they they built they see in the nursing home built up as oh this is written by our very own whatever her name is 
that I didn't bother to learn. No. Um, it's not like the movie bothered to learn the characters' names. I don't think... Yeah. I can only recall two off the top of my head. Yeah, one is Alana Wannabe. We're going to get into her. Hold your tongue. Oh, yeah. Hold your tongue. We have so much to say yeah, about her. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Okay, the lyrics for that song go... That is that is really lame. That is it's it's astonishingly lame. That's uh, so lame. I don't know what this movie is. I just I'm I'm at a loss uh, as to the, and that's the big problem with this movie is that when so much of it is music, when so much of it is music, it has to be good music. If you're going to be a musical, you must have good music. Again, I'm willing to be nice to High School Musical because at least that was music that I could distinctly remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it. At least I can remember the songs from that one. I can remember the musical numbers. I saw this one less than 96 hours ago. I don't remember a damn beat of it. I don't. Even the most distinct song in there, uh, I don't even... I can't even remember like 10 minutes after I've heard it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 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 let's, so let's get that out of the way. The music is bad. The storyline is... Well, are we going to really call this a storyline? Because the movie seems pretty confused as to if it has a story. It has it has too little plot and it has too much plot. Before we get into the storyline, let's let's give everybody a number that they need to know, by the way. 96. No, wait, I'm sorry. I, that was that was wrong. Let me rephrase that. 106 minutes. This movie is 106 minutes. That's 14 minutes shy of two hours. Mm-hmm. It had no business being that. That is longer than Best Night Ever. That is longer than The Starving Games. That is longer than any of the Seltzerberg movies are shorter than that. Uh, that's longer than A Talking Cat by about 13 minutes. Yeah, those all had the good sense to be 90 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. this mo- And believe me when I say you feel that 106 minutes. You know what? Those were bad movies. Let's list some other movies. That's longer than Cloverfield. That's longer than uh, The Nightmare Nightmare Before Before Christmas. Christmas. Yes. That's longer than, I think, every Toy Story movie comes in shorter. Um, Best Worst Movie is shorter. I'm trying to think. I've seen some movies recently. Um, Jurassic World only runs about 14 minutes longer. Um, and that's a, a summer movie. Um, let's see, uh, the Men in Black runs 90 minutes. I didn't like it very much, but Men in Black runs 90 minutes. This, this is too long. The, the point is, this is way too long. And as I said, the movie's 25% musical numbers, so make that what you will. And that's probably me being too generous. It's probably more like a third. So what is the rest of the film about? Let's talk about that. There are three components to the plot. The A plot, the B plot, and the C plot. And various other subplots, which aren't even really worth mentioning. Oh, wait, I thought of another one. The Peanuts movie was uh, Peanuts movie was 90 minutes. The Peanuts movie was 90 minutes. A glorious 90 minutes. Yes. Oh, God, I wish I was watching that again. Of course, I know. Of course I'll be honest. I'm, I'm going to find myself wishing I was watching that again a lot. I mean... Oh yeah. Seriously guys, watch that movie. That's that's a joy of a movie. Yeah, the A plot is basically even that's all over the place. I don't know where to start. Okay. 
Uh, it mostly revolves around one character whose family is really poor. They live in a shitty apartment with their uh, Irish grandpa. And boy, and boy, do they underline that he's Irish. Oh, they underline the shit out of that. Just because you want something, that doesn't mean you're going to get it. At the beginning of the film, like their electricity is turned off, and she's making ice. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. That's just something they threw in. It's like that makes no sense. All right. Anyway, so basically, the team I'm trying to summarize this as best I can. It's a team and their rival team, and they're trying to get a video into a contest in New York that will get them like a million dollars. Yeah, which I'm going to start to have some serious questions about, but we'll get to when we get to it. Um, Let's be clear, by the way, we get to know nothing about any of these girls. Even the main character is just designated protagonist. She's the one we happen to see more. We don't get to know her personality. Most of the girls get maybe... Like, one girl seems to have panic attacks. Another girl is black. And that's about the personality. Oh! That's the other thing. Uh, they have exactly one black girl on the on our protagonist team, and there's exactly one black girl on the antagonist team. And they're supposed to be sisters. I had serious questions about that. They're supposed to be biological sisters. And they're supposed to be from the same mother, I think, even. This is just this is just tokenism done wrong. If you want to do diversity, do diversity. Don't do this. No. Do not do this. It's not well done. Anyway, that's just that's just stripping down the A plot to its bare bones cuz there are a lot of little convoluted things involved in that. The B plot is this girl who's always in the right place at the right time for some reason becomes their agent. Mm -hmm. And she, with the help of um, protagonist girl, is trying to t track down this guy who ripped off her family of $90,000, like, I don't know how many years ago. And the father is dead for some reason. Of course. Okay, so that's that's a plot that maybe culminates in four scenes. Yeah, and... They just kind of pull it out when they need a break. Yeah, they do. They pull it out when they need a break. Uh, this girl who is a fixer, she seems to work as a bookie in a corrupt gambling parlor that opens public that operates publicly in New Jersey. Look, this is obviously not made from some, by someone from New Jersey because he's obviously going off stereotypes because I don't care how many Sopranos episodes you've watched. If you're operating a gambling parlor, you know what you don't have? Because... It's just a reminder that gambling is is illegal. You don't you don't have it in a storefront where anybody can look in at you gambling. <laughs> this is exactly what the movie does, though, because this is a it, it is this is a classic black market gambling, and it's fixed. We know that it's fixed, no less. So, um, what? This oh yeah, I think now is a good time to bring up the fact that this movie is Dove Foundation approved, family friendly. Mm. This movie is Dub Foundation approved. Credits where it's due. Our friend, uh, our friend Thomas brought that up. Yeah, uh, he did, and uh, yeah. So, which of course this this means naturally that as long as the movie doesn't include uh, drugs or alcohol, drugs or sex or much violence, it can get an okay. Even though the movie depicts gambling, and it's one of those things. It has a hypocritical message about gambling. 
Because what we find out is that the grandfather is a gambling addict who's gambling all their money away. What she what happens is he goes in. She find, she gets a tip that uh, this uh, horse is going to win, um, and she decides gambling is bad. But here, let's place this bet. Right. Let's. I'm. You lost all your money, but I'm going to place fifty. Like the fifty dollars I made singing on the street, which is another thing that's in the movie. For all bit briefly, yeah. Let's let's place this fifty dollars on this horse. It's like gambling is bad, but not when, not when it suits my needs. Uh huh. Yeah. And then of course the movie tries to be like, but gambling is still bad. But it's like, no, you just depicted it as the method by which the day is saved. You can't double back on that. You can't go back and say, gambling is bad. No, you're a hypocrite at that point. Mm-hmm. This is not the first time the, the movie will make hypocritical messages, by the way. Let's be clear on that. Yeah, no, the, the morality of this film is all messed up. Yeah, this is some seriously, like, questionable, come on, morality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Dove approved. But, Dove yeah. approved. That's the A plot and B plot. The C plot revolves around the previously mentioned Alana Wannabe. Who has the worst catchphrase I've ever heard. How would you like to suck my butt? No, 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 that's not actually her catchphrase. Her catchphrase is... Alana Wannabe, and I'm gonna be. She says that over and over again throughout the movie. That's that's just so... That's... that's Along with that, what kind of song would I write if I were a 12-year-old girl writing a song song... This is also just lazy character naming. This is a character that does not act like any child in cinema history. Um, I don't feel right trashing a child's performance. Ryan, you didn't. You didn't have the same qualifications. He named her the worst performance he saw in uh, 2010. You know what? He's he's right. He's right. Let's face it. He's right. She she makes one of like this film is full of baffling jokes. Uh, baffling attempts at humor. She makes one of the most baffling uh, one-liners in the entire movie right at the beginning. And it's something that, you know, while you're setting up characters, you can't do this. You can't do this anyway, but... They're gonna regret this. I speak with dead people. And what do they say? They complain. A lot. What the fuck does that mean? Nothing will come of this. Nothing, nothing will come of this. That is apropos of absolutely nothing. It it never, ever comes up again. This character, by the way, when we say it's a bad performance, it's it's more that this that there's the direction that's given, the writing. I actually feel bad for the little girl in this movie because she... You know, you're a kid. You can't do anything about this. You're just doing what the grown-ups tell you to. And really... The, she's directed to act like a stereotypical cute kid. She has she says things that no child would say. She is so abrasive and unlikable. I felt bad for the parent, the father that's trying to help her out. He seems cowed under by her. Yeah, this is this is really not a. Ugh. She's so yeah. Now she's one of those characters. She's so driven and so successful that midway through the movie, I had it pegged that. Oh, what's going to happen is she's going to wind up actually winning the competition. And uh, the main characters are going to learn the lesson that winning isn't everything. And they wind up making peace with their rivals. 
I was completely wrong. <laughs> See, I was too smart for this movie. Yeah. I thought up something that would have been an actual logical ending that would have actually followed uh, some kind of reasonable train of thought. No, she winds up actually make, getting fourth place, and then she wind, and uh, not going on to the next round. Yeah. Well, that's pleasant. That's pleasant. You had a seven-year-old girl suffer. That's pleasant. And again, that would have been a time to actually then maybe reinforce that. No, this movie is completely a winning-is-everything movie. Yeah, no. Dove Foundation approved. Exactly. She basically ends up blackmailing the team into using her as, like, a headliner in their act. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, all right. Okay. Let's talk for a moment, by the way, about this competition, because it seems to have no rules whatsoever. No. No. I mean, okay, it's in New York. It's being, it's important enough that it's being broadcast on this network. Which I'm going to have so many questions, which I have so many questions about this network, by the way. And it's being broadcast on one of the Jumbotrons in Times Square. Very badly CGI'd in, by the way. Yeah. It's transparently obvious this did not, in fact, uh, go on there. Um, It's just badly superimposed. And I, um, I will note that there was one, something that really dates this movie is that uh one of the ads up at in times square at the time was uh comedy central's important things with dimitri martin which ended a long time ago sadly see i i like dimitri martin so that actually kind of makes me sad to see him get the other ad by the way that we spotted in the movie is is, uh in the dressing room for the theater at the beginning uh there's a poster for tammy and the t-rex oh yeah, I noticed that. Wow, you're actually proud of that movie. That's the, the, you know. I noticed that and wondered what the hell it was. Yeah, well, it was under the original the film's original title of Teenage T-Rex, but I spotted that and I was like, wait, that's really the movie that you're going to, that's really your credit that you're going to go with? I mean. That's what you're championing from your career. Yeah, I mean, look, Mac and Me might be uh, garbage, but at least it's, uh. But at least it got released by a major studio. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's so much. There's a lot of weird Easter eggs in this movie. Yeah. So yeah, there there is that. There is that 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 um, yeah that that it does date it. Um, and seriously, just throw on a Dimitri Martin special and uh, watch that instead. Yeah, he has a new Netflix special. It is wonderful. Watch that. Yeah, like like just seriously watch that. He's random as all hell, but he's funny, and he has great timing. <laughs> I don't know how he comes up with the jokes he does. He also has a book out. This is a book. Yeah. It is hilarious. I've heard. I need to read that. You see, now I'm thinking about things I'd rather be doing. And I know this. And if it seems like we're, if, if, the, if it seems like we're really kind of confused on trying to describe the story, there's a reason this movie has no clear structure. It's muddled as all hell. Yeah. And yeah, look, jumping to the end, you know, what you said about, you know, them, you know, learning a lesson, making peace with their rivals. Okay, they don't learn a lesson. They don't learn anything. No, and the film ends with her, uh, I'll just spoil the B-plot right now. The B-plot ends with the guy that ripped that ripped that girl off is the head of the network that is sponsoring this. Which, let me just step in and list the myriad of plot holes that that brings. 
Namely that, namely that this guy was apparently a low-level thug in the mob, but now he's running a network. I know how networks work. This must be a really low-rent network if you're letting a guy who is probably using a fake identity run your network. He also happens to be the girl's estranged father. When I say the girl, I mean the protagonist girl, not the... Uh... Not the girl who instigated this, the manager. Which, by the way, that would have actually been a reasonable plot point for that to actually have turned out. If it, for it to have turned out that her father faked her de- faked his death and absconded with the money, that would have actually been a reasonable plot. Oh no, no, it's it's much stupider. Yeah, but not here, not with this. And he realizes that, um, like, they both realize that they're related, and he has. I don't even know if I would call the change of heart. No, he just buys everybody off. He just he buys everybody off. Yeah, he throws a huge party and, you know, she of course is apprehensive throughout all of it and just says, "Okay, I guess I forgive you." Yeah, he like throws a party and invites everybody including the rival team. It's like, "Okay. All right. Who seem to be having a good time there, but it's like they haven't made up or anything. They're just they just went to a free party. Yeah, there's no there's no lesson. The closest thing this movie comes to even remotely getting anything right is that designated protagonist doesn't seem to have forgiven her father at all for any of this. No. Which good. Yeah. But that but but even that feels more like bad screenwriting, honestly. I mean, now okay, just so that we're clear, once it's revealed that he's the head of the network, I've got news for everybody. That they would they're winning the con the contest that would have been rendered null and void right away. Yeah, that's a conflict of interest. That's a gigantic conflict of interest. Also, if there's a million dollars on the line, yeah, that's going to uh, yeah, that's not going to be okay. No, 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 that's not going to be okay at all. Um, this guy is going. You know, this this would be a huge scandal because someone would find that out especially if he's gone back to the neighborhood and is making a big deal out of it, do you think the rival group isn't going to seize on this and immediately sue the living hell out of this man? Right. Oh, but, you know, he invited them to their party, to uh, the party, so he probably bought them off, too. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. Like, how hard can I scream bullshit at this movie? Because it Uh... needs it. This movie is just... I cannot believe the leaps of logic in this movie. Because, yeah, because, again, they win. They win for no reason. Um, I'm not, again, because I'm not sure what the rules of the competition are. I'm not sure I could describe them. And I rarely say this, but go and look at the Wikipedia synopsis and see if it makes any sense. It's not, even that's not well written. Okay, the the, the finals before the finals are judging the videos. Uh-huh. And that seemed kind of weird to me. It's like, okay, so is this like a, is this like a film festival for music videos? Because in that case, you're really judging the directing. Yeah, and it's like, okay, and so they perform later. All right, and like which they do, they do finally do a performance. It's like, okay, t- until also until this point, their performances have been racked with sabotage. Mm-hmm. Like you. There's not a single performance, aside from the final one, that is not 
racked with sabotage in some form or another, and that was absent in the final, and that just felt odd. Uh huh. That did feel really odd. Um, it's, and it's like the movie forgets about the uh, other girls. It's it's like it almost forgets about them. Um, God, there's so much we're jumping around with on this movie, but yeah, it just forgets them. It's like, and I guess it's because the uh, main characters. I guess it's because Fixer Girl has screwed with them, and so maybe they're afraid? Maybe, yeah. That's just me making a guess. There's nothing to support that in the movie. No, there really isn't. Let's let's also talk about Fixer Girl for a second. Yeah. Right, so, okay, throughout the B-plot, you know, she takes along the protagonist girl to question all these, like, hardened people, like... Yeah criminals former criminals people who would have shot her people who would have shot her yes and okay she intimidates one by trapping him inside a giant claw machine with a cobra with a live cobra that she pulls out of her purse how in the hell did she get a cobra exactly and she do you think that really could have killed him nah it's all in its fangs were removed what how did you get that what yeah and later there is a okay there's also a group of mohawk you know like a mohawk gang or whatever you know they have mohawk speak so they must be bad and that just start making fun of her and they pick up her coin purse and go oh what do we have in here and then out jumps an electric eel that bites him on the nose an electric eel that's out of water by the way exactly and, like, electrocutes him, and he drops the coin purse, and a bunch of live scorpions come out. This is not actually a movie about Lil Jigsaw. No. <laughs> and when when they finally leave, they're like, oh, the scorpions are getting away. Oh, don't worry. And then she, like, whistles, and they all climb back in her coin purse. Scorpions are not trainable like that. No. Also, they're dangerous as all hell. I mean... (sighs) What in the hell is wrong with this movie? There is a callback that in any other movie would have been kind of funny. Would have been kind of clever. Which is that when she has an asthma attack coming out of the... uh, Later in the film, coming out of the office, she dumps her purse. And there's all sorts of stuff in there, including a couple of garden snakes. Okay. That would have been funny in a different film. But all, at the same time, this also begs the question, why is this just now coming up? And in what it is, it's just now coming up for a cheap scene. It is. This movie. Oh. And, and you know what? Let's lean again on that Dove-approved thing. Because this movie has some very bad messages. Um, messages about it's okay to be arrogant, it's okay to be... Um, egotistical it's okay to uh intimidation works kids intimidation tactics intimidation bullying work there are some really sick messages in this movie uh gambling is okay um it's okay to steal as long as you do something good with it later on right it's okay to completely walk out on your family as long as you go oops i'm sorry right um and again i'm still wondering about that network because it's like Okay, this this show has less production values than a standard high school talent show. It's completely okay to buy people off, kids. Wait, what's the next? What, what's the next show that's going to air on this 
some guy flexes at, at, uh, in front of a mirror for an hour. Is that going to be the next show? Also, I strongly doubt this network would have a million dollars. A million dollars is the top is what competitions award on the top tier networks. This is not a top tier network. This is obviously worse than your standard syndicated station. But this movie, this this movie, this damn movie. You just wonder, what do you say about this movie? I mean, because, again, it's all over the place. There are no characters in it aside from the fixer, aside from the screech owl, as I feel like I want to call uh, a lot of wannabe. Yes. And then again, the designated protagonist, um, there just there are no characters. There's no sense. Like, here's how badly this movie mangles its formula. Uh, designated protagonist doesn't even have a love interest in the movie. Mm-hmm. A talking cat got that right. Yeah. There is, now, there is a love interest in the film, but it's between one of the side characters and another side character. Who, by the way, is more or less prostituted for this. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, he is exploited. He is exploited to all hell. Family values. <sighs> I'm getting, I, I get angry thinking about the fact that this is what passes for family values in a, in a movie. Yeah, she's exploited, but she has no personality beyond that. And that plot doesn't even get resolved, if you think about it. It doesn't, no. No. They just use him for the studio. Uh-huh. It's never established that, hey, this is a bad thing. <sighs> nope, it just happens. Maybe it was edited out. I would not be surprised to find out there's a longer cut of this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, at least a, at least two hours and ten minutes cut of this movie. I think so, because this movie feels... There is sort of... A, there is a character in the movie who conventionally fills the role of the love interest. The the talented songwriter who's working with the other girls who winds up eventually coming back around and working for the uh, main character. He's her brother, though. Oh, yeah, he is. And he's involved with the bad boys, so to speak, who, again, are not really bad boys. Um, they just have mohawks. They just have mohawks. Um... And that's never resolved. That's never resolved. Really, he just has a sudden change of heart for no particular reason. It's like, oh, they're kind of being horrible to my sister. Gee, maybe I shouldn't be an a-hole. Again, yeah, this I, I'd love to sit down and read this script because I have a feeling it would make no sense to me. I don't know if you caught it, but like the first couple of songs are edited in such a way that they kind of cut out a small beat in the music and it's kind of makes it off yeah it's like okay that's sloppy okay let's talk about the fantasy line in this film it's all over the place it's all over the place like they cannot decide on what is really happening what is i'm not even sure if it's so confusing i'm not even sure if there is a true fantasy line in the film although there's clearly is oh there's clearly supposed to be uh, there is a thing where they say, oh, let's make, you know, the first time they say, you know, we need to make it video, it just kind of blends into, in a normal film would be a cue that this is a fantasy and this is what their ideal music video would look like. They're dancing on the boardwalk and they're following camera and then a lot of wannabe shows up and try, tries to kind of dance along with them and steal the spotlight and then 
bad guy is there, like, uh, bad guy wig, wig maker who looks like Jiminy Glick, and by the way, he's a wig maker and wears several ridiculous wigs throughout the film. And his name is Mr. Wigs. His name is Mr. Wig, that's right. Mr. Wig and the Wig family. I'm looking at this guy's, um, acting. He's only acted in one movie. Gee, imagine that. On the other hand, he has several other credits, and... Of those credits, um, I'll, I'll give you a guess as to the percentage of those that were on um, movies by um, Stuart Rayfield. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. God. In fact, as I'm looking at the cast, pretty much all of them are such. Pretty yeah. much all of them, this was their only role that they had. Because I'm looking at the editor, because I would like to actually shame the... I'm going to see if the editor has has done any other movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, bizarrely enough, she's actually edited... Um, she's worked as an assistant editor on a few movies. Um, let's see. Well, most of, her edit, most of her editing is TV movies and such, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not well edited, but yeah. No, it's not. I don't even know if I want to particularly blame... <sighs> I don't blame... Yeah, I... Yeah, going yeah, ahead. I, it's bad editing. It is, yeah, it's bad. And she's editing. an adult; it's, she can take the blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true, and it's if you just sit there and study it, like I did that for a minute. I just sat there and studied the editing and what it was doing, and it is very slapdash. It is very like there's no meaning to any of it. It just kind of cuts when it wants to. Uh, it doesn't follow a flow. So yeah, they cut to like. What would obviously be a fantasy sequence, like the, there's a, there are several cues that say that, and they go into this sequence, and then Alawabi shows up, and Mister Wig shows up, and pulls her aside and says, "Who are you, kid?" And that's when her character is formally introduced, even though she's had like three scenes before this. And it's like okay, and then the scene goes on from there. The movie continues from that location, as you know, she's walking home from them dancing on the boardwalk. It's like. What the fuck was that? Birdman had a better line of reality, damn it. I know. And that's a... And we've talked about that a bit. That's a movie where the line of reality is intentionally blurred. But we can still tell what was likely going on in the guy's head. We can... Because we still... Because we know that all of it's in his head. We know that virtually nothing can be trusted. But we know because because we've seen the movie. I'm, uh, because, we, because we know, because we understand, because... Birdman's great film. I yeah, it's and it's not even cute. It's not even like the movie is being cute with it. It just has a blurred reality, and we don't. There's no point to it. Yeah, and it's like it's like you know at least later, it did you know when they cut to another music video sequence, it did actually set up that they were you know it's from the studio recording of the song to the actual shooting of the video. It's like okay. Now that makes sense, but uh, there are several, like, the, the nursing home is another one. It's like, what is really going on here? It shows them all, like, that's also the most enthusiastic nursing home I've ever seen in a film or TV show. You know, I mean, kudos for breaking trope on that one, but they took it a little too far. It's just one of those things. The, the movie, it's sloppy. It's that they just didn't care. 
And can we go on ahead and state the obvious? I don't think the director wanted to make a movie about a singing competition. I would wager a really safe bet that the director didn't want to make a movie about a singing competition. I'd wager what he probably wanted to do was make the movie about the fixer and about, you know, her and the girl going around and trying to solve the situation. I'd wager that's what they wanted to, that he, that's the movie that he probably wanted to make. Um I'd yeah. wager it's probably an abandoned script that he had that didn't sell. I think you're right um because that is probably the most interesting part of the film. It is. And I mean, had that been what the movie was about, I don't know that we would ever be covering it on this cast, uh, because that might have been an interesting film. I can see how you could make an interesting film that would have dealt with the mob tropes, uh, you know, from a kid's perspective. I wonder if this was a script that probably was sitting around, that the guy was trying to get made, because, you know, there's a decent gap in his filmography before this. Um, and and let me just pause to note that um, uh, if you want to see a good, I don't know if I'd strictly call it a mob movie, but if you want to see a good, at least film noir from kids' perspective, watch Brick. Yeah, yeah, well, unfair, unfair. That's that's a, that, that's a actually citing a real movie with an excellent cast and a talented writer-director. Yeah. It is unfair, but to be fair about the unfairness, comparing any movie to this one is unfair. Yeah, to be fair. I mean, honest to God, I actually feel like a talking cat suffers in the comparison. But this, but that's just it. I would wager that the guy didn't want to make this movie because that's how disinterested the film feels in the musical scenes. It only seems to really crackle to any kind of energy when it's dealing with gambling, when it's dealing with things that the movie has no business dealing with. I mean, this movie shouldn't be dealing with gambling. This movie shouldn't be dealing with the fact that the grandfather is a drug addict, or is a gambling addict. It shouldn't be dealing with the fact that the father was a mob boss who's now made, or whatever. They never even clarify what the dad was. He shouldn't. They should have. Met, they shouldn't have had that idea in this movie. It's, which is ostensibly a singing competition movie. And if the guy had cared, he would have maybe made the rules at least somewhat clear. Calvin Ball seems to have more rules. That's the real truth, is this movie made me think, wow, Calvin Ball makes more sense. And that's the whole point of Calvin Ball is that it doesn't make sense. But there's no, there's no order, there's no rational order. This, things, just, things just happen in this movie. But I really do think that the director didn't want to make a singing competition movie. He wanted to make this idea of a kid's movie... Maybe he started working on it when The Sopranos was getting big. Yeah, which would have been like 10 years prior. Yeah, which would have actually maybe been an interesting idea for a movie. And then couldn't get the financing, uh, wound up uh, reworking it uh, into a, uh, you know, and then decided to get into this when High School Musical and films like that got big. But even then, missed the boat by a couple of years. I mean, for the love of God, High School Musical 3 was two years prior to this movie. I mean, you just... Yeah. The Fixer Girl is also probably the closest thing to a likable character. Yeah, because she's at least interesting. She at least has some energy. By the way, she is is an Italian-American stereotype because um, 
this movie doesn't see a single racist stereotype it can't exploit. Yeah, oh, and her Brooklyn accent was terrible. Wouldn't even have happened if I'd been in charge. If I were there, they would have been swimming with the fishes. Which is sad, because I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that the girl was from there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I, mean, I don't know, and I don't care. Um, but the point is, but all the same, she's badly directed. I mean, again, when a child gives a bad performance, and I guess I will give the movie that it did actually use real kids, but you know what, even even that makes me angry because then there's the scene with the belly dancer and I looked at that girl and I was like, I have serious questions about if you're 18. I might be wrong, I might be wrong, but the way that it's phrased and the way it's set up, I almost felt like it was implied that she was younger and that's not good because that sequence is not comfy. That sequence is awkward. It really is. I mean, the way it's shot is just, no. It's the way you would shoot an adult doing that. It's like... <sighs> oh, by the way, let's, no. let's be clear. That's how the uh, group winds up winning. Cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation across the board. These white girls and, uh, the, these white girls and the token black girl win with a musical number that is um, heavily influenced by Middle Eastern culture. Oh, and by the way, we haven't addressed the fact that one of the rules of this competition that seems to make no sense is that they can they seem to be able to bring in whoever they want to. Oh yeah. That's that's actually another point I wanted to bring up. The fact that all they talk about for these videos and for their performances is oh yeah, we need some backup dancers. We need some more dancers. It's like you are a dance team. Are you paying them? Right, that's the other thing. It's like that that million dollars isn't going to go very far when you've got a hundred people. Right. You know. Uh, it just, uh, none of this makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And also, um, they just happen to be under the management of Alana Wannabe, who arranged that before, like, after her loss, um, somehow. Somehow. It's like she knows the, uh, she knows the belly dancer. It's her cousin and the or kid. something. And the and the and the other kid, the boy. Yeah. Uh, who does I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what. I, I, I again I have such questions about this movie. I have about as many questions about this movie as I do a David Lynch movie. <laughs> yeah. I realize that we must sound like we're describing a movie that makes no sense but it's because we are describing a movie that makes no sense this movie is so all over the place and again it runs for a hundred and six punishing minutes god i can again i can just sit here and think of movies that i have watched that are shorter that are so much better and it's just this is a punishing length for a movie this is far i'm pretty sure Locke was shorter this is weird. This is just a weird, bad movie. I mean, we haven't even touched on the bath sequence. At one point, Bad Girl Group is giving a performance, which makes no sense. It's not even explained what's going on, really. I mean, I think it is, but I didn't care. They, uh, What song are they singing? It's, Splish um, Splash. Uh, Splish Splash, yeah. And the, the Jim and Glick lookalike... Mr. Wig is uh, taking a bath, and he's singing it at the same time that they are, but he's in another location, 
and he's just grooving to the song, and he's completely naked. Lovely. That that Lovely. was nice. Yeah, that's an image I wanted, you know? Yeah. And the Dove Foundation page for the movie does note that under nudity. Mm-hmm. By the way, did the Dove Foundation note that the uh, bad girl group did appear to be older? Because mm-hmm. that does make this movie kind of awkward. They do look to be at least five years older. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's completely awkward. I just, I have such questions about this movie. Like, okay, in the neighborhood, there it's supposed to be a bad neighborhood, but there's a, uh, like, an, a giant arcade with go-karts. Mm-hmm. Which they, which they live above. Let me make an observation. I would bet you... Pretty even odds. That arcade wasn't actually an arcade because it looked badly CG'd to masquerade what that probably was. Strip club. I would wager, looking at that marquee, I would just wager strip club. That's what that feels like. That's what it feels like. Or at least bar. Not a damned I mean that's ridiculous to see. If it is, then that's then those people are the dumbest business owners I can think of, because that's a bad neighborhood. Again, I'm thinking in real world. This movie doesn't exist in real world. Uh, this movie is a dance uh, song movie from Narnia. Yeah, I think it was Thomas again that said, "Yeah, they share the same universe as the as uh, the room. It's canon." <sighs> I'm going to choose to believe that. But you know, this lacks the at least... You know what? This doesn't share the same universe as The Room. That's too nice. This shares the same universe as The Neighbors. The Neighbors. Oh, yes, it does. You know what? That's ultimately what this movie reminds me of the most, is The Neighbors. That's not good. No, it's shrill. It's bizarre. But unlike The Neighbors, I I I actually have a different stance on if you should watch it. I'll say that. I just, I don't know. And you know, something else that I think just fundamentally frustrates me about this movie is this. This is a movie that was sold and marketed to little girls. And I can't help but think about that next to the uh, cheap crappiness of Jim and the Holograms. Hollywood, what in the hell is with you and little girls? This is the most marketable audience on earth. This is an audience that if you actually manage to sell something good to them, you will make more money than you can imagine. And you're treating them like garbage. You are... I mean, this is this movie got a serious push in terms of marketing from Simon Malls. And, you know, Jim and the Holograms ran roughshod over the material. Why are you not being better to little girls? If, if you just... Did you say it was by Simon Malls? Simon Malls did extensive advertising for it. They did a tour of the cast and all that, yes. Oh, God, I live right near a Simon Mall. So, so I used to live right behind. I used to live directly behind one, actually. Um, yeah. So, seriously, what is with Hollywood treating little girls this poorly? It's not fair. I mean, because this movie, this is such a a horrifyingly bad movie. And but this is the kind of thing that little girls seem to get is they assume, well, if you put music in it and you put dancing in it, let's just throw it at them. Seeing this next to Jim makes me wonder, why why can Hollywood not get this right? Put some quality in. I, I don't see movie lo- movies like this being foisted on little boys that often. I mean, there are a few, don't get me wrong. 
but there are so few good girl targeted movies that if this is one of the few that we're getting this is sad it is terrible i mean because just look at the numbers that you make when uh, you sell frozen to kid to uh, that audience they'll pay they will pay so much money yeah i think i think uh the best company right now or probably ever that uh does right by marketing towards this audience is disney yeah disney disney i mean disney disney knows they've got a movie coming up with uh you know they they're returning to hawaii for uh moana their next their next one which is going to be about a hawaiian girl who gee imagine this actually looks like a real hawaiian girl and uh actually has the body type of a uh, real Hawaiian girl. And, gee, just to really throw in the burn about how Disney is actually getting this right and respecting uh, uh, Polynesian, they, they cast, cast one. They cast one. Now, don't get me wrong, they still found room for a movie star in it, but they the one they found room for was Dwayne Johnson. Right. Also a native Hawaiian. Um, gee, also from a long lineage of uh, people from that area. Gee, what a, what a, what an idea! You're actually trying to do something right. Uh, now, I, concept. I, I've got nothing but love for how Disney plays to girls because Disney does it right. They 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 make smart, intelligent movies for girls. They have strong protagonists. Belle remains eternally one of the best role models for how to do a, such a character. Um, I wasn't overly blown away by the new Cinderella. I thought it was, I was fine. I thought it was entertaining. It's not going to be, I'm not going to remember it at my year end best or worst list, but you know what? At least that character was well handled. Um, we've got the forthcoming beauty and the beast. Um, inside out was told from a girl's perspective and was wonderful. It was, yeah. And was, uh, yeah, mostly female cast. Yeah. Inside out is sure as hell going to be on my top five. No question. I, I that that one's that one's in the top five. It's hard coded. It's not leaving. Again, do better is what I'm saying because this movie is indicative of the kind of garbage that Hollywood seems to think is okay to spew out. Do better. Again, I honestly I don't know how much more I can say about this movie because yeah, I think we're we're closing in on it. This movie just doesn't make it. Didn't make any sense. It wasn't at all very good, and I really think y'all should sit down and watch it, if I'm honest. <laughs> I do. It's it's freely available on Netflix. It's available on Netflix. I think it might even be on YouTube. I want to just say, as much as we've been trashing this movie, I think it has to be seen to be believed. At the very least, I believe this movie should be discussed in the B canon. This should be discussed in the B canon because this is probably the worst theatrically released film I've seen for this podcast. Uh, I really and truly can't think. I mean, don't get me wrong, Sucker Punch was horrible, but I could understand why it was in theaters. The Spirit was atrocious, but again, all star cast. I understand why it played theaters. You know, Spirit was bad. Um, eventually, we're going to cover all about Steve at some point. But Sandra, but for the love of God, Sandra Bullock, Bradley Cooper, uh, Ken Jeong, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, I get it. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I again, I know that it was a small distributor, but I still cannot believe this played in theaters near me. This is a bad movie, but it deserves. But you need to see it to understand how bad it is, how surreal it is. It needs to be seen as an object. 
how completely lopsided it is in every in every respect. It is. This is one that should be discussed. At the very least, I don't know why this isn't discussed more. And I have a theory about why that is, though. It's because in every one of the bad movies that we've discussed so far, there's something you can point to. Troll 2 has the sheer bizarreness going for it. And again, I love watching Troll 2. Troll 2 is a hell of a lot of fun. The Room has Tommy Wiseau. A Talking Cat has just the sheer oddity of how it's made and also the fact that um, it has the it has the talking cat, who is such a bizarre presence. And the fact that it's one in a series of cookie-cutter uh, family films that have no budget. It's a good example of those. It's the one that you can go to, and I've watched The Talking Cat a few times it's, uh, since then. I, I hate it. I think it's an atrocious film, but I, I also kind of love it. it. I own it. I rescued it. Cheers to you for that. Here's an arc of how much I like a talking cat. I've watched, I've listened to several uh, podcasts. I've listened to the minute by minute one. It's amazing. I've listened to the minute by minute cat, or I've read uh, the blog, um, the blog. I mean, that chronicles it beat for beat. A talking cat is fascinating. Is this movie worse than a talking cat? Damn right it is. And again, there's nothing in it that you can reach onto. The music isn't interesting which it was in Miami Connection. The the characters aren't interesting like they were in the room. It's trying to be or it's trying to be something generic and formulaic, but it's not interesting enough in how it fails at it. But it does deserve I think it deserves at least a watch, at least deserves consideration in the canon. And uh also Birdemic had its uh had its environmental message. Birdemic had its environmental me- Birdemic had a lot going for it in the oh, first half. Did, yes. You know what this movie actually reminds me of is the is the second half of Birdemic where it's just wandering. That's kind of what this movie does is it just wanders. I just I don't know. Again, I understand if you're going to be listening to this cast and you're going to be wondering what the hell we're talking about. Because I'm having trouble thinking. I saw the movie on Thursday. I'm, and we're recording this on Sunday. I can't tell you. It's been 72 hours since I watched it. About 12 hours ago. Can you still tell me? Can you still write a coherent plot synopsis? No. No, there isn't one. No. But am I glad that I watched this? Yeah. Yeah, because it made for an interesting cast. And I think you should see it. See it to know that it's out there. See it to know that this is what happens when kids' movies go wrong. What's next week? Up next, uh, we have our 50th anniversary. Yeah, 50th episode anniversary, we should say. We haven't been on for 50 years. No, we're going for uh, 50th episode, <laughs> and uh, it'll be one. We're not even going to give any cute hints. It's our 50th episode. That's it. That's all you need to know. We'll talk about something completely worthwhile and something that's very near and dear to both of us. Yep. Something really good. I'll I'll spoil that. It's a really, really, really good movie. So yeah, that's next. That's next week. Yes, that's next week, and we are looking forward to that. And uh, okay, so you can find us on our blog at thefilmroom.podbean.com. You can download our episodes on the Android Podbean app. Um. There might even be an iPhone app. I'm not entirely sure of that. But, well, hey, if you have an iPhone anyway, you have access to iTunes, so you can download us on iTunes. 
that usually comes out Wednesday. Um, regular feed Tuesday, iTunes Wednesday. Right? So you can find us on our site blog at thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. And while nostalgia is kind of on a bit of a hold, we do have stuff on there still. Yeah, we, we will keep putting stuff out on there, but nostalgia is on hold till the beginning of the year. Yeah, we are going to come back. Let's stress that. We are going to come back on it. We just need to take, we need to get everything set up in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, need to get this going. Like, I just, I just finished training at my job after four weeks. Uh, Monday I hit the floor, so that's going to be an, an ordeal in itself. So I can, like right now, I can only keep up with the cast. you know. And also apologies to our patrons. Uh, we usually do early access. We had been doing. For the last few weeks, I haven't been able to do early access. Um, because I've had to, you know, get the episode together. So apologies for that. I'm going to try my darndest to you know, find a way to do early access. Again, it might not be till the uh, beginning of the year because I do have another thing going that kind of supersedes that and prevents it. Um, I am a screener for the Film Fest. Um, But again, you know, um, I'm glad that we can keep this weekly (laughs) with that. I am too. Yeah, I'm too. That's that's the main thing. That's the heart. <laughs> so yeah, uh, as long as we can keep the heart beating with our busy schedules, then we're good. But anyway, so yeah, apologies for that. You know, if you look forward to the early access thing, or to the early access, but but we also do have a Patreon episode coming through the canon. It might already be out by this time. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, yeah, you can find us on our Twitters, uh, at FilmRoomCast, uh, Austin is at UntitledUser, I am at PermanentManPRD, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash TheFilmRoom, like us there, uh, bring us over that 500 like mark, we're almost there. You can email us at FilmRoomPodcast at gmail.com, and there's the Patreon. We are just five short dollars away from our own website Mm -hmm. and yeah we 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 will post all our content on there like this this list of things that i am listing off in my head will be much shorter yeah (laughs) yeah that's just it make it easier for us to do this cast um i mean it's 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 gonna be great when we reach that mark so yeah help us there and we will have goals past that that we want to reach um, but yeah, just we, and we appreciate what you've done for like our patrons. Uh, once again, uh, thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Sean And thank you, Nathan. It's getting to the point where I'm going to have to start writing those down. Yep. We <laughs> like that. Good. We like that. We yeah. like that. Yes. We have things we're going to do and. We know y'all be listening, so until then, um, I can think of a good way to go out on this cast. Damn you, Ryan yeah. Cullen. Damn you, Ryan Cullen. And thank you thank you at the same time. And thank you at the same time. We hope we've given you a good, solid cast. We, we tried to hit every point that we could on this movie. This is just, this was a weird one, but we, until next time, 
Till number 50. Yes, till number 50. See y'all later.